the world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe all right good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh and that is my guest tonight samuel chong and this is red pill projects conversations on the fringe this is where we talk about all those things that are weird wacky unusual on the edge of conversation that people don't usually talk about on a daily basis and tonight we're going to be having a great conversation with Samuel Chong. He's a certified court interpreter and Chinese cha- translator in Los Angeles. He was instrumental in arranging for the Chinese publication of Michel DeMarquet's book, The Thea Uba Prophecy, of which we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about um, ancient history. We're going to talk about what the Thea Ubans really have laid out in Michel's book here. Uh, Samuel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me here. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I'm still trying to see if the, the foxhole. Guys, if the foxhole is up and running, please let me know. I'm not seeing it on the live streams, uh, so let me know. I've already put it on twice. If not, you guys can jump on over the rumble. But I appreciate you joining us tonight. And this is uh, he, was, uh, he was introduced to us by Dr. Bruce Solheim. And so you know that he's going to be one heck of a guest tonight. We're going to talk about some very interesting topics. Um, Samuel, tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you fell into this this book, the Theouba Prophecy. 
You know, when I was young, I always uh, looked forward to more knowledge, more information, because I always thought that uh, we are just uh, progressing too slowly. I just wanted to advance much faster. Uh, I thought that the best way to do that is to uh, get a shortcut to have information uh, from the uh, ETs who have uh, advanced civilizations. So I was uh, searching for information about uh, um, contactees mm -hmm. who receive such information. And in China, I was born in China, and in China there was such information available, but not they, they never revealed the sources. So after I came to the US uh, in 2014, I actually uh, searched on Amazon and looking for uh, books that uh, um, contain information about contactees. So I found this book. It was originally titled Abduction to the Ninth Planet. And I borrowed it from the library and I read it. I couldn't put the book down because it reveals so much information that really uh, brought a lot of closure to some of the uh, questions I had long time ago. Uh, especially the paranormal activities on Earth, the mysteries and ancient civilization, as well as uh, uh, like something about uh, the stories in the Bible. Interesting. Now, this book ends up leading you to this other book. Now, um, kind of give me your perspective, because you said in China, this, this information really isn't easily accessible in the sense of um, spirituality. That is correct. In China... Um, the government controls everything. Uh, they limit the number of books that could be published each year, and the number has been decreasing every year since uh, the last eight years or ten years or so. And um, and people just uh, were yawning and looking for books on spirituality, but there are not so many books on the market that people would just purchase. Interesting. So you had this curiosity. What what really engaged this curiosity in you when you were younger? Because I was uh, very curious about everything. Basically, why did the uh, ships and uh, and planes disappear in the Bermuda Triangle? Who built the Great Pyramid of Egypt? Uh, mm -hmm. For what purposes? What about the statues on Easter Island? And what about the the Bible, the stories in the Bible? You know, before I, I mean, after even after a few years after I came to the U.S., I read the Bible. I I didn't believe a single word in the Bible. It it just didn't make sense to me. Um, but uh, after reading the book, The Yoga Prophecy, I believed in the stories in the Bible because it connects all the dots. Um, and, and I found that to be very interesting because, uh, you know, if uh, the ETs are really advanced for us, they should be able to answer all the questions or mm. resolve all the mysteries. They should guide us in the right way. Um, some people say the ETs um, might just invade us and to destroy us. Uh, if they are really intentionally trying to do that, they would have done that long time ago. They, they don't need to wait for such a long time. So I believe uh, the real ETs, the real ETs are benevolent mm -hmm. and they're just guiding us like our mentors helping us to uh, go on the right path. And I like that perspective as well, is that if there is an advanced civilization out there that is interacting on this planet and they wanted to take us over, they would have done this already. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, all you would have to do is turn humanity against each other and infiltrate the political, the social Well, That's exactly what's happening now. But I'm just saying is it wouldn't be that hard for them to utilize their weapons of mass destruction to annihilate us. And we got to assume that at some point in a alien civilization's evolution, that they move beyond 
that perspective of war or domination or um, conquering other civilizations because it, there doesn't seem to be, um, I, I could only imagine, is if we had faster than light technology that could take us to Alpha Centauri in an hour or two hours or take us 100 million light years in just a day or two, right? If we had this level of technology, if we had um, various energy, free energy technologies, you know, really you, you transition your mission as a being from this of domination of resources to more of evolution and discovery of origins and who you are and, and what you can bring about into the universe. Yes, exactly. This book specifically mentions that uh, there are uh, financiers around the world trying to um, gain positions and political influences against the common people, and they suppress a lot of the hidden technolo uh, technologies mm -hmm. of clean energy. And it also very, it's very specific about the hydrogen engines. It says that the book was written in the late 1980s, and it said that long time ago, hydrogen engines were already invented on Earth, but they were suppressed by some of the interest groups. And I find that to be interesting. very interesting because, uh, you know, if you know the guy Stanley Meyer, he yep. invented a car that ran on water. If you really think about intuitively, you can just use some kind of vibrational frequency to break the hydrogen and oxygen bond of water and use the hydrogen as an energy source. So, um, so I think um, this book is really revealing. And after my, my visit to the author, I learned that uh, the Tao, the ET uh, mentioned in the book, told him specifically that there are 12 families in the world hmm. running behind everything. And, um, but but the, the, tw the names of the 12 families were not the named. Right. Well, that's interesting because there is um, a former CIA uh, operations manager by the name of Dr. John Coleman who witnessed firsthand the corruption, the collusion, and the infiltration that had happened in our intelligence communities back in the 1970s. Um, he went on to write a series of different books, but the most popular one was known as the Committee of 300. And he did a seminar presentation on this in the early 19, uh, 1990s, which everything that he was saying then is coming true right now. And he talked about the various 12 different Illuminati bloodlines. He talked about what's known as the black, the old black Italian nobility. This is the ancient Phoenicians who invaded into Rome during the height of the empire. They took over the Vatican. They took over uh, the government and they infiltrated their own rule over it through a class feudalistic society through the reign of various different bloodlines of families of the Phoenicians. Um, so I 100% agree with you on that. And that's kind of an interesting part right there. Yeah, speaking of the Illuminati, um, this book, The Theobar Prophecy, led me to find the other book called 334 Lies. I found that book because I was looking for information on how to see auras, the human energy field. Because in Theobar Prophecy, it talks about the importance of being able to see the human energy field or the auras mm -hmm. and to interpret them. I was looking for information online and I found information on forums saying that uh, um, there's a German book that talks about that. And I looked, um, I did some research and found that book in German and I translated that into English uh, just to be able to access that information. It turned out to be 
written by the highest chair of uh, a secret society that started in Germany. Um, and it's basically an autobiography of the author who claims to be the highest chair of that organization. And it really uh, it talks about how they kind of use uh, esoteric tech, um, knowledge, such as uh, a special form of astrology and also a form of uh, meditation to, to do a lot of the supernatural that people would consider to be super supernatural power mm -hmm. or abilities. And they also talked about extensively how they influence uh, world politicians in a way that the politicians themselves don't feel that they're being bribed or being influenced in a very subtle way. They have uh, um, branches in, um, they, start, they started in Germany, but they also have a headquarter in New York City at that time. Um, and, uh, but the book is not for everyone because it's very graphic. It details a lot of the uh, uh, tortures that they uh, they impose on some of the innocent people, uh, gruesome graphic scenes, and but my personal um, my personal knowledge is that uh, the uh, people in that organization are just um, like us, uh, common people. They're not uh, reptilians or ETs. I concur with uh, a guy named uh, Ronald Bernard who actually worked for um, the members of the Illuminati. He says those people have supernatural powers. They can read people's mind and have certain kind of ability to mind control other people. Mm. Uh, but they're just human beings. Um, and and uh, I think uh, when two different books that have no relationship to each other concur or corroborate, I think uh, we have to take the information seriously. And I suggest people to look into Ronald Bernard, the Dutch banker. Uh, he has a lot of videos on YouTube as well. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to send us that information. We'd love to get into that. Um, and it, it's interesting. You're talking about discovering orders. Have you ever heard of Dysionin? No, not really. No. So in the 19, early 1900s, a chemist was trying to... De, um, he was trying to develop a new type of filter for cameras. And he came across this chemical substance known as dicyanin, which has been outlawed since, completely illegalized. Mm -hmm. But you put them into these goggles and you can see the human aura, you can see energy fields around plants and animals. If you remember the, uh, the 1990s movie, They Live, where he was always putting on the goggles and he was seeing like uh, obey, control, he was seeing all the aliens around him. That movie was based upon dicyanin and these various types of glasses that we that uh, you can actually get. They're 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 expensive when you find real ones, but you have to find real ones. I use the Museum of Tarot. Um, he actually develops it himself. This guy is an absolute genius, but he's reverse engineered it and he develops it. They work and they're pretty crazy because you can see a person's energy field, which is, I think is just nuts. Yes, um, and being able to see the energy is uh, is very important because it can. Uh, tell you what's going to happen on your physical body, but also it tells you whether the person is not being truthful or the person would have uh, some kind of um, uh, diseases. Uh, it can tell if a person is uh, kind-hearted. It can also foretell a lot of other things. Like uh, there's a guy named, there's a lady named uh, Rosalind Burry. She says that when she saw like two uh, teams of a football game, uh, having a match, 
And then she could just tell which team was going to win just from looking at the auras. Hmm. The aura of the winning team member, the team uh, was stronger than the other one. So it's very important, very useful. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I've um, I- I've been introduced and ordained into various types of what we can call, I guess, magic or psychic abilities. Um, they are very real. I've met people that can do some amazing different things. You talked about these people that are in these high up elites. They can read minds. They can do other types of, of what we would consider and what the Thea Ubens would consider, I guess, magic in a sense. And really magic is just a, a level of knowledge that is far greater than ours in the sense of how reality works and the, the relationship between a spiritual entity and reality and how that all conjoins together to bring about this formulation. Or at least that's kind of how I would define it. But I find it interesting that you said that because a lot of the ancient mysteries that, those, uh, that these elitists actually um, look into and you said it gets kind of gruesome. It deals with ritualistic sacrifice. And the ritualistic sacrifice um, is brought about to actually um, kind of create a transference of energy to what's known as a, ma- a magical channel. Or this channel that's created between the spiritual realm and our physical realm, which ushers in this power or this energy that gives them the ability to actually do these things. You're absolutely right. In that book, uh, 334, it uh, talks about how they um, get the other person's energy by uh, eating that person's heart. Mm-hmm. It's very, very kind of, it's terrible. I mean, yeah. the book is not for everyone, but uh, I, I recommend that book not for this purpose, but for the purpose that the author, the highest chair of that organization, uh, at the end finally realized that everything is about love, unconditional love. Mm. He actually was enlightened at the end. And he was trying to make that organization more um, like a contributor for world peace. Uh, But then the purpose of him revealing everything that he wrote was that he found that there was another, like a younger person uh, rising up that um, who had more uh, this kind of uh, powers uh, or supernatural abilities than him. He wasn't able to control him or maybe suppress him or maybe uh, and he was trying to bring the knowledge to the world uh, so that people can really know what's going on because no matter how supernatural abilities they have, they have how strong their abilities are, they're afraid of the people, the mass. Mm. So it's trying to give us a solution. If we have this kind of concerted actions and uh, they're afraid of us, the people. I agree. And you know, this is, this is an interesting part. And, and I want to get into the Uba prophecy. I really do. But I, I think this is an important aspect to cover as well. This has been one of the theoretical models that I've worked with in the sense of ancient civilization moving into current day is that there has always been a maintenance of these elites to keep the population be below a critical threshold. And one of the main reasons is, is because we have something known as the banister effect. Um, and this is something that It's widely known, but it's something that I put out there. And Bannister, if we remember back in the 1950s, he broke the first four-minute mile at the Olympics. And before this, doctors said it's impossible, nobody can do it, your heart will explode. And for centuries, people believed that you couldn't break a four-minute mile. And then Bannister comes out and does this, and within five years of him doing it, 100 people started to do it. And to this day, I mean, thousands upon thousands of people have broken a four-minute mile, which it gets set within our, our 
our subconscious. It gets set within our collective conscious. And it begins to be not an impossibility, but transitions to a possibility. And I think one of the things with the elitist and humanity is that humanity is continually learning, expanding, and evolving. And that we are waking up into this nature, which is predominantly spiritual and psychic. And that once you have a critical mass, you can't stop that evolution. And so I think every few hundred years, they call the civilization back as much as they possibly can to stop that evolutionary boundary from being breached. Exactly. It's also mentioned in the book, Theobald Prophecy. Um, the book, Theobald Prophecy, is actually not a book of prophecy. It's mm -hmm. a book of warning, mm -hmm. but it also gives us a solution. The solution is what they form the, core, the word uh, nonviolent resistance, like what Gandhi did in India. They're saying that if we uh, act together, if we have a strike against the elitists, um, and we would lose little and they would lose big. So it's just a, a, some kind of a awareness that we have to have and to wake people, to wake people up. And it actually, um, it's very interesting the way that is described in that book. It, the, this, the example is actually set on another planet in which um, um, a planet of the same category as, as, uh, as Earth had a dictatorial government or totalitarian regime. And there were four people on that planet that actually started like a peaceful demonstration or peaceful fasting. And then the government shot the four people and the four people died. Six months later, people began to realize what the four people was, were trying to do. And they began this kind of massive uh, strike. The police uh, uh, joined the strike and everyone joined the strike. And then um, it was like a peaceful revolution on that planet. Um, it's, it's very interesting. It's illustrating that we could do the same. And mm. it's, it's indicating that we should do the same. So Michel de Marquet wrote this book. You come across it and you read it. And you're absolutely just fascinated by this book to the point where you believe that this book is, is truth. What do you do next? You hunted this guy down. I did. I did. I hunted it down because, <laughs> because you know, um, I found the information in the book very incredible and uh, fascinating. But in the postscript of the book, it says that there are more incredible things that the author was not allowed to write in the book because we are far from understanding them. It, it got me. I, I just I was very curious about what he was not allowed to write in the book. So I tracked him and I found him that he was uh, living uh, Southern Island in Vietnam, and some of the tourists saw him, met him, and, and took pictures of him. And um, I showed one of the pictures to the taxi driver after I landed the city. And then the second try, I was I located him, and uh, and he was uh, kind of uh, very annoyed at my my visit the first time I met him. Um, and he was uh, actually not interested in people intentionally trying to locate him. He mm. was trying to be a private person. And uh, but then the day before I was going to leave, he showed me a contract. He says, Samuel, um, how about if you try to help me out on this matter and try to see what's happening with my book because the publisher in China paid me $2,000. But then, then I never heard from them again. Could you tell me if uh, the book was published in China or not? I was trying to get the information that 
that he was not allowed to write in the book. So I was trying to please him. I gladly accepted that offer and I tried my heart, uh, my, my tried my best to to have the book published in China. And then he uh, sent me an email saying that uh, I don't know how they knew it, how Tao knew it, the, the ET. And um, he said that he, she could, she said that uh, um, I could tell you what uh, I was not allowed to write in the book, but uh, you have to come here personally, and uh, I have to tell you in person. Yeah. So I visited him the second time. Right. So China wanted to to edit the book, and certain parts couldn't be put in, huh? That's right. They they actually did. Uh, the book was published in China as a science fiction. Um, the <laughs> author Michelle Demarquet was strongly against having the book published as a science fiction, but he allowed me to have the book published in China as a science fiction. And the Chinese government removed the parts about China, removed the parts about communism, and a few other kind of small parts. Interesting. So give me a synopsis, synopsis of this book and kind of tell me the story and, and what Michelle kind of experienced. Okay. <clears throat> he woke up in the middle of the night in Australia, where he lived. And then he uh, wrote a note telling his wife that he would be gone for 10 days and not worry about him. And then he walked outside of his house. Yes, he this... lifted up, and then he saw this kind of beautiful, nine-foot-tall, blonde ET named Tao. And um, they first uh, arrived at a parallel universe. Um, and then he was taken onto their spaceship. He got uh, he was disinfected by yellow light and blue light. Mm. And then on the spaceship, um, he was told about the history of Earth, where uh, black people came from, where yellow people came from, where the Caucasians came from, where the Jewish people came from. The Jewish people are actually very special because they came from a different category of planet, category three. We, we are actually category one. And the ETs uh, are on category nine planet. So we are like we have different categories. And um, <clears throat> the highest level being nine. And then he was also told about uh, some of the other things on Earth, um, like the how the universe got created, how the planets, how the people, how how the human being how human beings were created. And then he was uh, he, he arrived in, in on the planet Theoba. And uh, he was taken into the seven powers, the the seven masters, the seven the seven like seniors mm -hmm. of uh, that planet. Um, and he was told that uh, we on Earth are at a very critical moment of time. We are like um, a crossing road. We have to make a decision which way to go. We have to emphasize more on the spiritual aspect of our lives not the material life. Otherwise, uh, we are going to face a very catastrophic event. <clears throat> and uh, uh, he also was shown his previous 80 lives. So there's uh, actually reincarnation, mm -hmm. there's life <clears throat> after death, and he was told the meaning of life, in which life is actually a learning experience. We have to experience everything and to learn spiritual lessons. And after one dies, one will have to, one will get the opportunity to review everything happened um, in his or her life. He would be able to feel how other people felt when he 
or she did certain things or acted in a certain way. And then um, he or she will be able to judge or evaluate how he or she did. And, and then to decide uh, whether to take the next reincarnation life uh, or next life or not. Hmm. Um, so in this sense, uh, this is a book of uh, revelation of uh, the meaning of life. And also um, it's very specific about certain facts such as the ET's intervention throughout history. Um, it talks about uh, the destruction of the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the reason for the destruction was not uh, what we commonly believe uh, Sodom is not that. It's because the people in the two cities at that time were um, punishing the people who helped others. Mm. They were punishing the good people. So they were, in a sense, setting a very bad examples for people who were in contact with them. They were just like cancer cells spreading the evils um, around the, the planet. So they decided to kind of uh, take them out and by destroying the two cities. It also explains uh, the things, the stories in the Bible, such as uh, how Moses led the, the Hebrews out of Egypt. There were kind of very interesting details Especially, it talks about how uh, who Jesus was, and they're saying that there are two Jesus Christs. Hmm. Uh, the Jesus born out of Virgin Mary was actually a uh, Jesus that uh, uh, was born from the implant of the embryo that they 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 did on uh, uh, Virgin Mary. That Jesus was born um, because. Um, they really wanted to make the people at that time believe that um, he was someone special, he was the Messiah. So it matched the historical beliefs of the people. Uh, but that Jesus couldn't perform miracles. He was very spiritual, he was very evolved, he was very smart and intelligent, but he wasn't able to perform miracles. So it's very interesting because the Bible doesn't have any record of the young Jesus performing any miracles. So that Jesus went to India, so there was record of Jesus being in mm -hmm. India, and then uh, passing through China and went to Japan and died in Japan. So there's a Jesus, uh, the tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo village, Japan, that people can look it up, uh, searching like the tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo, Japan, Shingo village, Japan. Uh, Christ, on the other hand, was uh, someone from the planet Theoba. He was one of uh, the Theobans who could perform miracles. He um, kind of like went into a body made by the Theobans to a body that looked like Jesus uh, that died in Japan. Mm -hmm. And he performed all the miracles just to show that he was someone special. And he preached uh, spirituality and love. He resurrected three days after being put on the cross just to show people that there's life after death and their reincarnation. The book is very interesting because it specifically mentioned the five council meetings of the Catholic Church mm. that intentionally removed certain concepts. The Council were, of Nicaea. Yes, this is one of them, but there were also yeah. other councils as well. Yep. Well, the first one, yeah, Emperor Constantine Council of Nicaea, 325 AD. That yes. would have been the most paramount one that began removing a lot of the, the Gnostic and the Hermetic aspects of, of pre-Catholicism, of pre-Christianity, yeah. Yes, and, and this verse specific also tells uh, some of the in, 
inconsistency is in the Bible in the Old Testament. I find that to be fascinating. You know, I go to a Christian church, a Mandarin Baptist church in Los Angeles. So when I try to bring this book up to the senior pastors, they banned the book. So this is the book actually led me to believe in the stories in the Bible. Yeah. To follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, but they banned this book. So to this day, I'm trying to ask them to revert the ban, and they, they haven't really responded to me. Oh, that's crazy. Now, <laughs> you said some interesting things there, and I want to kind of go back to the beginning where you were talking about. Number one, one of the things you said is you talked about the meaning of life, and this is to do to learn. To, to gather knowledge, a, a wisdom base, right? And this yeah. is interesting because we have a saying around here, one that I created that um, evolution, spiritual, physical, mental, is learning what you did not know that you did not know. Because in the universe, that's the only way that evolution ever occurs is if you continuously do the same thing, you're never going to evolve beyond that point. But if you go out there and you learn things that you did not know that you did not know, you are going to be in a state of advancement towards a, a new type of evolution. The other part is you talked about this nine-foot being. Um, this is interesting because I, I have an experience in my life, and we can maybe talk about that. But I, can you describe these beings to me? So they're like... Um... <laughs> Very beautiful. They look uh, very young, like in their 30s, mm -hmm. and they never age. They can live forever, so they can regenerate their bodies at will. They're hermaphrodites, so they're, they have male and female sexual organs, and they have uh, all these uh, supernatural abilities that Jesus had. So they could uh, levitate, they could materialize objects, they can uh, communicate through telepathy, and they can really uh, do a lot of uh, miraculous uh, things or they can heal the dead they can heal the a lot of diseases all the diseases that you can name off they can actually create a human being in uh, adult human being in 48 hours hmm. um, they can just uh, for they can foretell what's going to happen um, in the future for about a hundred years they they can access the akashic records uh, they can actually bring people to their past lives and really experience what happened in their past lives. And they can, they have all the knowledge. Very okay. So I, I want to touch on it. So they're about seven to nine feet tall. Yes. Um, they hair color, eye color, I want to say kind of like a palish white skin. They have kind of a grayish hair, typically long. Mostly uh, blonde. Mo yep, blonde, like, like white blonde. Yep. Yes. Sometimes kind of grayish tint. Um, mm -hmm. They wear like white clothing, like just like very vibrant white or kind of glistening metallic type of clothing. In on their planet, they wear a very colorful kind of like uh, 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 like uh, Indian clothing, like the people in India. Mm -hmm. They wear that kind of long long robes, and uh, they're very colorful and very bright. Um, because they say that colors have uh, therapeutic effects on people, and they use that to stimulate certain parts of the uh, the body, like the auras and the chakras in the body. So I'll let you in on a little secret here, and, and most of my listeners already know this because I've explained this before. Um, is that I did what's called a life between life regression. So there's a few different books out there. One of them known as Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Luton, which a lot of the stuff that you just explained is kind of exactly what he's saying as well, which is crazy, two correlating books. Another one is Dr. Brian Weiss, and that is Many Lives, Many Masters. 
And they talk about this in-between world that you go to between your incarnations on this planet. Um, I did one of these hypnotic sessions. And unlike everybody else that came before me that's done these things, I kind of, when I went through this tunnel of death in my last life, they kind of take you to your last point of death in your last life. Um, I was old, probably late 70s, early 80s. I was an engineer. I was living in Ohio. I was in a rocking chair in an older house. I was alone. I was drinking tea and I died right there. And after that happened, I kind of like, you're kind of sucked up into this kind of grayish, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Kind of like, I call them cloud walls, but you're mm -hmm. kind of like really in this very narrow tube, but it's not, doesn't feel narrow but you know it's narrow and like and, a tunnel yeah it's like a tunnel and you go through this pinhole of light but when it went through the pinhole of light i came out and there was nobody there mm -hmm. there wasn't family members or any of this kind of stuff waiting for me there wasn't the 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 massive amounts of people and the, the soul groups and all this stuff that they usually explain and i kind of found this interesting and i look across the room and this what appeared to be a woman approached me seven the seven to nine feet tall exactly as we just described and she told me about my various different past lives. And she told me about the future, about the past, about how we got here. She told me about all these various aspects of, of the history of our civilization, the history of this planet, how this all came about, other different cataclysms and disasters that have happened, the great wars that have occurred within the galaxy. And I haven't, I haven't shared a lot of this stuff with people, but this is one of my experiences. So when you said that, I'm like, oh my God, like, like this is this is interesting yes they actually described uh, the ancient civilizations specifically they described uh, the uh, two continents that sunk into the ocean one was the lemuria continent and the other was the atlantis and uh, lemuria was actually on the uh, pacific ocean uh 300,000 years ago there was a group of ets that uh, were originally from Arimo X3 planet that actually used uh, the far side of the moon as their base to migrate to Earth. So there was actually some kind of alien base or ET base on the back side of the moon. Um, we are going to find out more evidence on that, but uh, it's very interesting that this book is revealing a lot of uh, very interesting and uh, verifiable information. Uh, a lot of evidence will come uh, from the, um, in, the, in the future. Uh, so those uh, Lemurians were highly evolved people. They have, um, they had this uh, anti-gravitational technologies and um, ultrasonic vibrational systems uh, to to really build a, a greater uh, a pyramid on that on that continent. That pyramid was actually three times the size of the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Uh, they used the pyramid to absorb uh, cosmic energy and to communicate with people from other planets. Um, they also use the pyramid to create rain. And they actually communicated and also got in contact with uh, Ethiopians. Um, and they were you know, very peaceful and very, very kind of a good relationship until one day about uh, 14,500 years ago because of earthquake um, and the gaseous spells beneath the continent that continent sunk suddenly, uh, just almost in one day. Um, and because they kept their technologies secret from other people uh, elsewhere, the technologies were lost. Same thing happened um, for Atlantis. And the book really didn't elaborate 
uh, a lot of the things happened on Atlantis, but uh, it mentioned that the Great Pyramid of Egypt was actually built by someone from originally from Atlantis about 17,000 years ago uh, by the person named uh, Thoth. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was a very learned person and he built a pyramid in nine years, uh, in about nine years. So I find that to be fascinating because, because uh, it really corroborates with uh, some of the modern um, scientific researchers saying that the pyramid uh, is actually an energy center. And they have all these kind of uh, theories how the pyramid can absorb energy. And, uh, and I think more evidence is going to come out. So I, I, I love this because Toth is one of my um, probably go-to um, characters within Egyptian mythology. The, the great story of Toth, for those that don't know, is that Toth came, he was actually known as Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus. And he came before the goddess Isis, who was the sister and wife to Osiris, uh, who was the king of the universe. And she was the queen of the universe, as well as fertility of, in wisdom and knowledge. And it was said that behind the veil of Isis, which she wore upon her eyes, was contained the secrets of the universe. And no man hath come before her and lifted that veil until the day that Hermes came before her, lifted the veil, learned the secrets of the universe, then became deified later on as the god Toth. But he taught it to his four disciples and sent them to the four corners of the earth after the great deluge to start again civilization. So absolutely love the story of Toth and, and, and I've heard many things in accounts that he was Toth the Atlantean and this is, there's many accounts about this, he was the author, the author of the Emerald Tablets, the Emerald Tablets of Toth um, going into that, you just mentioned about the pyramids and accumulation of energy so we were talking about this the other night. I was, uh, I think we were actually looking at an article about China producing weather manipulation technology and they had these big metal they look like guns, like Gatling guns, and they're pointing them to the sky. And they're talking about using silver iodide and salt, and, and this is actually doping that's done through planes, not through these guns. And I said, those are organ accumulators. And if you know who Wilhelm Reich is, Dr. Wilhelm Reich, the former assistant to Sigmund Freud, he came out with this theory of this biological organism or field that is contained within everything that's living, and he called it orgone. In that if you created this uh, the substrate of organic and reflective material of orgone, you could accumulate it and it could do magical things. It could give you spiritual powers, psychic abilities. It could heal you. Um, it can produce rain when you don't have rain. He actually did this within two days during a massive drought in the Northeast. He took his organ accumulator, just one of those guns, and that's kind of what the Chinese had. And pointed at the sky. Now, one of the interesting things they found out is that one of the most beneficial shapes for an Ogarn accumulator is a pyramid. Now, on the outside of the pyramids, we have limestone. And basalt and limestone are made out of organic material composites, organic and inorganic materials, which would be a perfect accumulator for orgone energy. Yes, yes, uh, that's uh, very, very true. And I did some research on that as well. Uh, and back to the book, uh, yeah. uh, one thing that's not written in the book is about the Sphinx of Egypt. The author, uh, Michel de Marquet, mentioned that uh, there are three chambers beneath the Sphinx. Once we are ready, once we are spiritually evolved enough, um, the three chambers can be opened, everything will be revealed. 
and that's going to be the age of enlightenment, um, the start of the age of enlightenment. And I find that to be very interesting because Edgar Casey also mentioned that too. So it's a, a, Russian, a Russian person as well. Um, and um, I think uh, I'm, I'm just trying very hard to spread the messages out that people should really focus more on the spiritual aspect mm. of their lives so that we can have this kind of uh, collective consciousness to have concerted actions to, uh, to go on the right path. Because uh, this book, I believe, is a final warning to us from the EPs. Um, it's a very serious matter because uh, uh, Michel de Marquet, he was actually uh, hurt by this benevolent, beautiful ET who um, had a lot of uh, unconditional love. Just to, he was hurt because he, they wanted him to remember the messages very clearly because uh, um, otherwise he would uh, think that he was uh, dreaming. And one of the messages was that uh, really um, this group of ETs were guiding us throughout history and they also disciplined us in the history as well. So um, if we really don't follow the right path and we are going to probably be like uh, naughty children and <laughs> I think I think uh, it's going to have a very bad result. And do you think we're at that crossroad right now? Uh, we still have a lot of time. Uh, and, and that's why I'm, I'm working so hard to, to let people know about this. And, uh, and especially the mainstream people. I'm trying to figure out a way to, to have the message accepted. So that's mm. probably my life mission, my life purpose. Well, yeah, and, and I hear you because I, I think that we've all, we all have pieces to the puzzle and we try to all go out there and help people understand to make them fit. Um, and so I, I love what you're doing and this is just absolutely fascinating. So, you know, it, it, and getting into kind of where our world is coming to is we're de-evolving away from the spiritual center that was within us. And we can see this over the last 2000 year period that humanity, as they become more materialistic and technologically advanced, de-evolve in their spiritual nature and their connectedness to nature, God in itself. Yes. And there, we are, we are focusing too much on the uh, different technologies and, and money and the financial markets. Um, people actually, the most important uh, I think the most damaging aspect about this is the uh, control of the media. Mm -hmm. I know you talked a lot, a lot about this, and uh, and I think uh, people should really wake up and to seek for answers on their own and have uh, independent thinkings and to uh, think more independently and not really rely on the mainstream media. I used to believe everything said in the, on the mainstream media by the mainstream media, and uh, after like. I think a few years ago, when I found out that a lot of the news uh, really were not reported, I just uh, never watched TV again. Um, and I think people should really wake up. And a lot of people around me are still following the preachings of the church mm. pastors, and I consider those mainstream media too. And also listening um, <clears throat> CNN or, or even Fox News. And I think people, I mean, 
I mean, you, you don't have to be cited to a specific mainstream media. Uh, they're all the same. I mean, for important revealing information, they just don't report it. It really doesn't matter if it's uh, on one side or on the other side. Uh, they just censor everything. Because if you really think about this, if you really pay attention, a lot of the licensed medical doctors in the United States cannot voice certain opinions out mm -hmm. on certain subject matters. Mm. So I think people should really do a lot of research on this and to to really think about what's going on. And uh, they really have to read between the lines and, and really to, to look at what's happening around them. Are a lot of people just suddenly disappear? You know, I, I, something about me is that uh, I used to do a lot of research about the mysterious death, mm -hmm. like certain biologists or certain politicians mm -hmm. or certain scientists that just suddenly die, like Stanley Meyer, uh, who invented that car. So I did a lot of research because I, we really cannot let them die in vain. We have to get out of something. <laughs> so why did they die suddenly, mysteriously? without uh, any plausible explanation. What were they trying to do that really uh, kind of um, um, kind of made uh, some people nervous? And disrupted. Uh, yes. So I do a lot of uh, trace tracking or maybe just follow follow the lead. <laughs> so I suggest I encourage people to do the same. And out of that, what are the, some of the interesting things that you discovered from that? Um, you know, I translate. I proofread a book uh, just a few months ago, written by some of the important people uh, in the Chinese military. They specialize in um, researching biological weapons. Uh, the The gist of the book is that the SARS that happened uh, twenty years ago mm -hmm. were actually uh, from man-made viruses. Uh, man-made. They were really man-made. And what, what happened about man-made things was that uh, they don't survive in nature for more than three or six months. Mm. They just, because they cannot adapt to the environment of the host, the host being human beings, human physical bodies. So they would disappear after three or six months. Uh, what's happening around the, in, in the world is that uh, we see a lot of different variances. They just keep coming up, and we, we don't hear about the uh, the variances that came up in the very beginning anymore, because they just uh, seemed to vanished. They just mm -hmm. disappeared. So what about the new variances that came about? So they they, they had to be like uh, intentional acts by certain uh, certain people or certain government. Uh, unfortunately, uh, being a Chinese myself, uh, I'm privy to certain information that's in Chinese, uh, set by certain uh, whistleblowers. And um, they actually came from my home country. So it's an unfortunate fact that I really feel sorry about. And But people need to wake up and to really find out what's really going on. And uh, and actually, you know, the those kind of variances, they lose their potency after a few weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, by the research done um, by those people in China, the Chinese military. And people really need to begin digging what really happened in my home country, uh, the government. And we really need to separate the people uh, from the government because uh, it's really the government that did a lot of uh, the thing that they shouldn't have done. And, uh, and I think uh, it's important 
also to know that a lot of Chinese people from my home country are brainwashed. Yeah. And, and they, they don't realize the seriousness uh, of uh, the things that are done by their government uh, on other countries or to other countries, to the people in other countries, including a few years ago. Like, you know, being a Chinese myself, I know what Chinese people are good at. They're good at uh, uh, imitating um, products. Uh, if they can imitate like brand name products like iPhone or or some of the other uh, like products, they can also imitate and fabricate and uh, like ballots too. Mm -hmm. If you really think about that, and there are evidence about it, people just uh, need to look it up and to find it out. They can also they're also good at another thing, which is hacking computers. Um, they they uh, with the Russians and also other group of people, and if they can hack computers like Apple computers or PC computers. They can also hack into some of the counting systems too. So, so I, I would uh, strongly uh, suggest people to wake up that uh, what's really behind uh, that everything has ha everything that happened in this country and elsewhere. So it's interesting too, and we can kind of transition into this because China is a very, very interesting place on this planet because it's 50 years of the CCP who have rained down. We had Hong Kong, who is now back under the control. Taiwan, which is probably soon to be back under the control. Um, do you ever see the, the Chinese people waking up? Because you said a lot of them are brainwashed. And the same thing's happening here, and that's why we're making this transition in the United States towards communism. But do you ever see freedom for the Chinese people? Do you see this coming in the near future? I do see that in the near future. But it's going to be a long process because uh, once people are brainwashed, it's really hard for them to know what's really going on. And it's hard for them to believe because for a long time, I just couldn't believe that it's my home country that did all those uh, terrible things to this to, to, to the people in the world. Because I was educated in a way that the home my home country loved everyone and everyone have, have supposedly to see their like the, the Communist Party as their parents. And, and uh, <clears throat> this kind of brainwashing technology uh, technique uh, was actually really effective. And but I do see a bright future I, uh, because there are people who have woken up and with a book being published in China, The Theoba Prophecy, and being a bestseller in China. And I think people are beginning to realize that they really need to, to, uh, to do something about it. Do you think there are good guys who want the freedom for the Chinese people that are inside high-level Chinese Communist Party? Not inside the high levels of uh, Chinese Communist Party, okay. uh, but people from the outside. Um, I can tell you what uh, the high-level government officials in China are like. They don't care about the people at all. Mm -hmm. They care about themselves. You know, uh, when certain things happened in, in Taiwan, and they were trying to, they were going to uh, kind of have some kind of military actions. But once Switzerland, said that if you do that, we are going to side with the United States by revealing the personal assets of your high-level government officials. Mm. They backed down. It's that that they backed down. 
um, because they're afraid that uh, their assets will be revealed. They care about themselves. They don't care about the people. Right. Um, and one more question on this while we're on this topic, and then we can. I want to transition back to <laughs> the Uber pro- uh, prophecy. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going to happen with Chinese? We know that uh, Jennifer Zhen, Lude Media, leaked some audio back, I believe, in April and March of Chinese generals in um, um, Zhengzhou that were talking about the invasion of Taiwan before November 2022. They were talking about uh, outfitting 639 merchant ships. Uh, They were talking about troop movements to the coastal provinces. Um, They're going to use DF-41 missiles to take out U.S. military warships that produced a blockade around Taiwan. Um, And and this seemed to be fairly accurate information because it all checked out, at least in, in our scope. What are your thoughts on China going to Taiwan time frame? Do you think it's going to happen? I don't think that's going to happen as long as we have Switzerland and Liechtenstein on our side, on the U.S. side. If they are really going to release the personal assets of the high-level government officials, then the the Chinese government will not invade Taiwan for sure Hmm. uh, because they care about their personal assets. If their assets are frozen, then they're dead. I mean... I love that. We, we really have to side with. We really have to pay attention to Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Singapore, and other a few other countries. That's awesome, and that that's pretty interesting. That's probably why they're just running military exercise and they haven't done anything there yet. Um, all right, now back to the book. So this is an actual journey that Michel actually had, and he 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 recalled being on this spacecraft. This wasn't something that happened in a dream or in a spiritual realm. This is him physically being taken. Now, when you talk to him about this, what what was it that interaction like? Well, he um my impression about him in the in the beginning was that uh, he was a very kind of a nice uh, French person, very proud of himself, and he was telling jokes all the time. Although he was kind of annoyed at my first visit, he was also, he was actually, he later, like, uh, his attitude changed. Um, and he was telling jokes all the time. And later on, I found out that's, a, that's actually a sign of depression. Mm. Because if you think about it, um, he went to a place like a paradise with him for nine days. And then he was told, you don't belong here. You have to go back and write a book. So he, after he came back to Earth, Everything was not as nice uh, or as as nicely as, as what he experienced uh, in, in uh, on Theoba. So he he was uh, really trying to hide his depressive or depression just by telling people a lot of jokes. But when when the subject matter of Theoba and his experiences came out came about, he became very serious about it, and he mentioned a lot of uh, details. Um, like he saw the Theobans uh, being able to transfer knowledge, just like downloading knowledge from each other. And he also mentioned that uh, the Theobans were really kind of uh, laughing at him when he asked questions like, uh, oh, you could levitate or something like that. He, when he showed like a surprise, they always uh, were kind of uh, like very... <laughs> Like like us uh, looking at uh, like monkeys uh, in a music amused way, mm-hmm. uh, so and he also asked them to teach him how to levitate, 
and how to do the uh, the miracles, and they never responded. Kind of a way of saying that uh, even if I teach you the ways, you you wouldn't be able to do that uh, because uh, you are not uh, um, evolved enough or something like that. Right, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've heard the uh, the idea of, of different genetic architectures and configurations which intertwine with the field of reality um, in that you have a relationship with that reality and it's dependent upon your biological and your genetic makeup. And so that would make sense is that even if they taught you how to do it, you're still not evolved enough within your physical form to do it. So I, I kind of like that. Um, what was your thought when he was telling you this story? Did he seem genuine? Yes, he was uh, extremely genuine. Um, he actually mentioned the book of Enoch to me. He said that uh, Samuel, um, the book of Enoch is really uh, describing what I went through. So a lot of descriptions um, on, in the book of Enoch really matched what he experienced. And he also mentioned that in a public lecture in Australia. Um, and he also recommended the book Life After Life by Dr. Raymond Moody. Mm, yep. So I think uh, like a lot of uh, specific detailed facts in the book really showed that this book is different from other supposedly uh, books written by people who uh, got received channeled, in channeled information. Uh, this book is also specific about uh, World War II in the sense that the U.S. government and Germany were kind of uh, racing to develop the atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. And it was the this group of ETs that prevented Germany from being the first country to develop the atomic bomb. They sided with the U.S. because they believed that the U.S. government at that time were more sincere in helping the people in the world. Uh, otherwise, if Germany had the atomic bomb, there would have been more, like three times more death than than the otherwise. Wow. Um, so very specific facts. I strongly suggest your audience to, or the audience to uh, check it out. Oh, we're definitely going to. Um, did they say anything in the book about what nuclear weapons actually do on the quantum level to the dimensionality of space? Yes. They mentioned specifically that once the, uh, the everything is interconnected. So once the nuclear bomb explodes, it affects everything in the universe in a very uh, connected way, like like uh, it could be felt on, on their planet too. But on the other hand, it also mentioned that uh, this is a, a evolution or a path that had to happen because uh, no matter on which planet, atom or atomic bomb is discovered and rediscovered. So we have to go through this kind of path of discovering and developing the atomic bomb. But we really need to know that we should not play fire. We mm. should uh, not really use it in an irresponsible way. Absolutely. Um, you had mentioned it early on in, in the summary discussion. Um, you were talking about Stanley Meyer. You're talking about a few other people. You were talking about various different hydrogen energy technologies. It's interesting because I just did an interview uh, two weeks ago with a gentleman who's a spokesperson for Lennar Technology, the LENR Technology, low um, the low um, man, I get, low electromagnetic and nuclear radiation 
technology. They use what's called HH2, hydrogen hot tubes. And so they utilize a, an electrical catalyst within a nickel, uh, nickel cadmium matrices to basically separate the hydrogen with electrical potentiality that's producing a 2.5 um, over unity situation within this uh, this fusion reactor. Um, and we're seeing all these other types of alternative energy hydrogen level technologies coming out. What are your thoughts on this technology that is coming out these days and how it compares to what maybe they talked about in the book? Um, well, the book really didn't go into details because uh, on this subject matter because it really wants us to do the homework. The book is very, very interesting in a way that it touches a lot of points superficially. It's uh, kind of uh, trying to encourage us to do the homework, to go into the depth. I have two points on the hydrogen engine. One is that the key of separating uh, hydrogen from the, uh, from the oxygen is to find the specific frequency that can cause like a, a resonant effect yep. that so that the hydrogen atom and the oxygen atom, um, can be separated more effectively, more efficiently um, from the water molecules. So once that's found out, it's going to happen. And the second point is that I really want the, everyone to know that uh, this kind of technology, um, if, it, if you really want it to be commercialized on a massive scale, it should be made public and not uh, for personal gain. Because if uh, a company or a person tries to apply for a patent on this technology, uh, it uh, would be, uh, it would do two things. One is that uh, the patent wouldn't be able to be filed or prosecute, prosecuted uh, because it relates to the national, I think, security. Mm -hmm. And there's a clause on the patent law that if it, involves uh, anything related to the U.S. Uh, or national security, it cannot be made public. And the second point is that once they try to hide this technology or for personal gain, then a lot of the interest groups are going to find that person. They're either going to buy this off or make it disappear. Mm -hmm. So it has to be made public on massive scale uh, immediately and simultaneously so that everyone can take advantage of this uh, technology. I love that. And and you're right. And I actually, that's one of the questions that I was talking to of the spokesperson for the Lennar Technologies. I said, are they going to go public with this in the sense of make it um, public access, publicly accessible, kind of what Elon Musk does? And he said, no, they aren't. And they got some very big backers who are globalists. And I said, well, they're going to put a meter on it. And he goes, no, they're not. And I said, yes. They will. If you have globalists behind it, they're going to put a meter on it. But the technology is really simple to understand. And, and I think you nailed it right there. Is This is an idea that kind of was brought about by Nikola Tesla. Is that when you have two molecules that are in, in the bonding stage, whether it's ionic bonding, covalent bonding, hydrostatic, whatever it might be, is that bond is an energy relationship between those two molecules, which has a vibrational resonance. And if you can produce the antithesis of that resonance, you can destroy that covalent bond. You can destroy that ionic bond and you can separate those molecules. You can also do the reverse in the sense of bringing them together. Um, and this is one thing that I think Nikola Tesla talked about a lot. And that's been like the holy grail of hydrogen technology is finding that resonant frequency of the, uh, the covalent bonds between um, oxygen and hydrogen. 
That's correct. Um, there are people who actually have done this, but yep. they haven't really uh, made this technology or the frequency public, and they're trying to um, have uh, commercialized it on their own. And this is why they have failed uh, for the reasons that I just mentioned. Interesting. So what do the Theobans say about fallen angels or evil in the sense of the universe and its structure and kind of what's happening in, in, in the universe? Well, uh, they really never talked about uh, evil or devil. Uh, they talked about ghosts, but uh, for evilness or devil, devils, I think uh, is my is only my personal opinion. I think uh, it's our free will that we do certain things. Some people may choose to do certain evil things. Some people may choose to do uh, spiritual things. It's a personal choice. Um, I really don't buy the theory of uh, reptilians because uh, I think that's just people's imagination. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's no proof on, on that too. And, uh, and <clears throat> on the matter of ghosts, I do uh, agree, and it's mentioned in the book that they exist. Uh, so it really explains what ghosts are. They're made of electrons. So we have a physical body. We also have an astral body made of electrons. Uh, the book is very specific and detailed, saying that we have uh, 4 billion trillion electrons uh, in our astral body. So when a person dies, the astral body leaves the physical body, and 81% of the electrons um, goes to the higher self hmm. um, after remaining on Earth for three days. So I find that to be very interesting because Jesus Christ resurrected mm -hmm. after three days. And also in Tibetan customs, um, people are not supposed to touch the, the person who just passed away for three days. Um, and uh, the other 19% of electrons remain on Earth until they're either recycled by nature or when the person reincarnates again mm -hmm. on Earth. So what we see ghosts are actually made of that 19% of electrons. Because of static forces, electrons, those 19% of electrons um, have, uh, they shape like the person um, when, when the person was living. So that's because of the static forces of electrons. The electrons also contain memories. So when electron can contain the memory of, uh, of uh, a library, a regular size memory. Mm -hmm. So because they have certain memories, the ghosts often or frequently haunt the places they loved or hated. Um, so there's nothing, once you know that the ghosts are actually made of electrons, there's nothing to be afraid of them. Uh, if you don't like the ghosts, you can just, uh, um, light a fire or, or use a lighter to to dispel the electrons away. So bring a magnet in. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, question, did, did they talk or discuss anything about time in the book? Yes. Remember the book was written in the late 80s. It says that uh, the U.S. government was trying to develop a time machine. But they, they, they so far had failed at that time because they really didn't focus on the vibrations. They focused much on the frequencies. So there's a difference. It made me think about the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, 
I love it. <laughs> yes. Um, they say that uh, we can really go back to time by visiting what they call the Akashic Records. Um, Akashic Records are actually uh, something that's, that, that, that records all the history, all the things that happened um, on a planet. It rotates, it's like a cocoon rotating about seven times the speed of light. Hmm. So a learned person with practice through meditation or certain other skills can actually match the vibration of the cocoon by, um, and then that person would be able to go inside the cocoon and to see what happened in the ancient past. The author, Michel de Marquet, actually experienced what it was like. So he actually visited the time when the Muria sunk, and, and he actually witnessed what happened uh, about 14,500 years ago. Hmm. So we could go back in time. Um, going to the future, um, it really doesn't mention anything about that in the book, but the Theobans can only see about 100 years into the future, not more than that. And that's probably about because of the conscious unpredictability of nature and action of a free will, thought, and choice. Exactly. Interesting. I love it. Now, interesting enough, they talked a little bit in the book about the Logi gods of the ancient world, which potentially some of them were Theobans, right? And then they also talk about a little bit about what the, the Theobans believe to be God. Yes. Well, um, first of all, a lot of uh, the gods or goddesses in India were actually the Theobans. Uh, they were hermaphrodites, very beautiful. So the, a lot of the Indian pictures portray God to be very beautiful beings. But the Theobans uh, say that the Theobans are Theobans. And what originally in the Bible, uh, Jehovah, uh, mentioned about Jehovah were actually, or angels were actually uh, Theobans. But God is God. God also created, the, also created the Theobans. God created everything in the universe, like the planets, the stars, and animals, and human beings. And uh, we are part of God. We are part of God in a sense that the God that, that God inserted a small tiny portion of itself into each and every human being, mm. uh, just in order to experience the material life, the physical life that we are uh, experiencing. So we send a lot of uh, our experiences, our spiritual lessons back to God, so God can also feel how it is like. So in that sense, we are part of God and God is part of us. So when we encounter personal life challenges, uh, we should not follow a specific organized religion. We should look inside of ourselves because the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Um, we, are, we can communicate with our higher, higher self and find solutions. I 100% agree with that one. Um, that's been something I, I've teached, I've taught for a very, very long time. Um, actually, I, I came about it through my studies within the mysteries and the occult and understanding that God is, um, excuse me, is an eternal mind or the eternal spirit, however you want to look at that. And that 
I, I call it, uh, there, there's a few variations here, and, and this is kind of a cool little mind, uh, uh, mind screw, if you want to call it that, is that number one, I would perceive God to be absolute. That means that there's, God contains everything. There's nothing outside of God. God, there's, there can be, God cannot be contained within anything, right? God is the absolute. And so if God is the absolute, he's unknowable, unimaginable, incomprehensible, and you cannot understand it. Which means that any variation of truth that us as finite beings, even though we have an eternity of reincarnation, we're only here for a finite period of time, any bit of information or truth that we get within this time frame that we're here is only self-evident truth. It's a portion or an understanding or a perception ability of the absolute. We cannot know the absolute completely because we're not God, but we can only know a perception or a self-evident version of that. Which brings you down to the other aspect of it is that I can't experience someone else's consciousness. I can't be inside your mind. I can't read your thoughts. Some people can, but I can't be inside your mind, read your thoughts, feel your emotions, and feel all the biochemistry, biological impulses all happening all at the same time and be within that thought flow. But instead what happens is when we interact in the point of communication, there's an interaction that exchanges between the two of us. When that interaction exchanges is there's reflections that occur within me and within you that are dependent upon our own level of spiritual, mental, and physical development. And they reflect back and say, hey, I like this guy because it, it, it coincides with something and experiences that I've had in my life or it, it, it correlates with the various experiences I've had, right? And so when we take that perspective that I cannot know you, I can only know you as well as I know myself, this also then relates directly to God in the sense that I cannot have a relationship with God unless I truly know myself. I have to know myself and the evolution and development of knowing myself allows me to be closer to God. Exactly. And this book also teaches us how to resolve life challenges. Two ways. One is to meditate and to really meditate in a way that you communicate with yourself, mm -hmm. your higher self. Um, that uh, prayers, prayer, prayers are important and are useful and helpful. And if you really pray for certain things, if they're helpful, if the solutions are helpful for your spiritual growth, they, the solution will be provided to you. Um, yeah, on, on the other hand, if you really want to uh, win the lottery uh, for your material, material wealth or personal gain, uh, then you're not going to be provided with an answer. On the other hand, if you really want to help the humanity, then uh, your higher self is going to provide you with an answer. Mm -hmm. The other way is to find a solution in life uh, when you encounter um, challenges, is to have a good night of sleep. Because in dreams, um, our astral day really connects to our higher self through the cerebral canal, this portion of the brain. And uh, so this, there's a French saying that uh, uh, night, night brings counsel. So if you have a good uh, night of sleep, uh, answers will appear uh, if, if, uh, if they're good for your spiritual growth. I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, Samuel, this was awesome. This was an absolutely fascinating conversation. I love talking to you. Uh, you're a wealth of information and knowledge. And this book, uh, I, I put the link out there. So everybody who's looking for the link for the book, we got the uh, the Amazon link. Is that correct? Is that the good yes. one to use? Yes. And so we got the Amazon link coming out there at you. I'm going to throw it on Pilled right there. Um, in Rumble, here you go once again on Rumble. 
And I highly recommend people going out there and reading this book because it seems like one of those books that is derived from a certain level of truth and that people can maybe even have their own experiences to correlate with it. Because I know that right when you started talking about these beings, I was like, oh, my goodness, like this reminds me of this experience that I had in my life. And there's multiple other experiences when you talked about it that that correlate to this. Um, In a summarization, can you kind of give us maybe your favorite parts of the book? And one of the things that you kind of looked at in the book as being most influential to yourself? Um, It keeps changing. The first time I was uh, more focused on the ET technologies. The second time, mostly the stories in the Bible. And right now, I'm mostly focused on the meaning of life which is to respond to life challenges Mm -hmm. because um, of the information I know about China and also elsewhere, uh, maybe there's going to be a financial crisis affecting every one of us. So when we have those kind of uh, life challenges, the most important thing is how we respond to the challenges. And this is a very valuable spiritual lesson to learn because uh, we are going to be reviewing our life, how we did in this life after we die. And there's uh, also nothing to envy about uh, the richest people in the world because they're having a more challenging lesson to learn than us because they're facing with a lot of uh, temptations of using um, drugs uh, of uh, uh, indulged in the material wealth or material life. Uh, so they have far more challenging lessons than us. So uh, we, we should really focus on ourselves, how we uh, how we take full advantage of what we experience and to learn as much spiritual lessons as possible. Uh, we also need to wake up and to look what's happening around the world, be realistic and also to try to help others to, to the best ability we can. If we can bring the collective consciousness consciousness into place, if we can have a concerted action together, um, maybe a strike, maybe some other forms of actions, then we can really make a difference in this world. I 100% agree. Uh, Samuel Chong, you guys can, uh, I, I created a short URL if you want to go to his website, redpills.tv slash Chong. That's if you want to go to his website. The Amazon link is posted there. We'll also post it on the socialredpill.com and get that out to everybody. Uh, I just uh, got the the book in my cart. I'm going to order that here in a little bit because I'm just fascinated by this topic. And uh, Samuel, we're going to have to have you come back on and talk more to us, especially about your other book that we were talking about pertaining to the Illuminati. Yes, it doesn't really mention the word, the Illuminati. When you really look at this, uh, just briefly, that uh, Ronald Bernard doesn't name names because for his safety reasons. Mm -hmm. If he names any organization, company, or person, he would have been dead. So this book also follows the same method. It doesn't really mention anything about the word Illuminati. This is something that I found out through my own personal research, and people can check it out. Remember, it's not for everyone. It contains very graphic descriptions. So warnings, I I just have to warn you ahead of time. Uh, We can talk about that another time. Absolutely. I can't wait to get rescheduled for that. Guys, uh, that's all the time we have for tonight. We're going to be going to Fringe After Dark, a subscription uh, show in about 
40 minutes from now. If you're interested in getting on that, you only have to be a member of the socialredpill.com. We'll put it out tonight. All the links will be provided in the main chat for everybody to join. So please be a member of socialredpill.com and you can get into that where we're going to continue the conversation. And Samuel Chong, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Much appreciated for your vast amount of knowledge on this topic. And uh, this was just an amazing confirmation. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for having me here. All right. Take care. Good night, everybody. And we'll see you guys next time.